Welcome to Mother, the show where we can explore our inner mothers to actualize our greatest selves through interviews with incredible guests, live coaching sessions, and my own experiences. We're going to dive deep into embracing feminine values and reparenting ourselves. So be prepared to show up, hold space, and be mothered in a way you never have before, but have always needed. It's time to rewrite the mother code. And welcome to Rewriting the Mother Code with me, Dr. Gertrude Lyons. I am so excited. This has been a little ways happening, but always known and excited to now have my guest, Faith Laux, on the show today. So welcome, Faith. Thank you. Thank you, Gertrude. It's really wonderful to be here. Yeah. So I'm going to say a little bit about Faith, but Faith is someone I feel very close to and have been part of and her and her husband's and her family's life in some really beautiful ways and in a coaching perspective, but also a friend perspective and just have a beautiful insight into your life. And I know you have so much to share with my audience today. Yeah. Thank you for this opportunity to share my story with them. Absolutely. So I'm going to share a little bit about a little bit about what you're up to and what's been prominent in your life of more recent realm. And of course, I'll be weaving in you as a mother, mother of a child, but also so many of the things that you're mothering in your life, yourself being first and foremost. <laughs> so that'll be a big focus of our time together. So here are a couple things about Faith, just to get to know her. So Faith Laux is a somatic sex, love, and relationship coach. She helps her clients reconnect to the wisdom, intuition, and enchantment of their bodies so that they can prioritize their pleasure and delight in their sexual energy. She weaves in shamanic journeying, emotional empowerment into her offerings. She's married, has a daughter, lives this really big, beautiful life. But then in May of 2022, just this past May, was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. Since then, she's been adding pleasure as a healing modality alongside her treatments to help her thrive and enjoy life on an otherwise grueling journey. Mother, artist, wife, educator, adventurer, Faith seeks to normalize the conversation around sexuality, cancer, and desire. So we're bringing all those things together and we get to have a conversation about it today. So Faith, if you wouldn't mind just saying before I get any specific questions, just I just now said all these things about you. There's so much more, excuse me. <laughs> I just said all these things about you, but obviously there's so much to that little summary. And I would love to have you add and bring to life this journey that you've been on. So we'll start there and then go on. Yeah. Thank you. Sure. It's a really tender topic. And I think mm -hmm. you're catching me on a good day because mm -hmm. my tears are close to the surface. And so, gosh, you set the stage there really well about... Almost a year ago, let's see, today, <laughs> almost a year ago yeah. was when I learned that I had cancer and I had no idea, none at all. When I went in to get a colonoscopy to check out some abdominal pain that I had for a year and a half and was like, oh, it's got to be diet related or something digestive. Yeah. 
No, that thing you've been feeling is stage four cancer. And it was overwhelming. For many of us, post-pandemic life was already overwhelming. Transitioning back into this new world and having mm. a child and a business. And, and you had locations. Yeah. Just to name a couple things to give this yeah. even more context is yes, in the midst of the pandemic or just barely coming out of it. Mm -hmm. During the pandemic, you moved states and you were adjusting, you changed careers right before moving and a lot of big stuff. This wasn't just like you were adding this to a not already full of change and transition life period and season in your life. Yeah, it's true. And so it really, <laughs> and it continues to feel this way, just going through one initiation after another. So the initiation of starting a new career, leaving a very stable job, teaching Spanish, being an author and a presenter, really a wonderful, like a thriving, thriving career. And then yeah. realizing, yeah. oh, I actually think that sexuality and supporting people in this realm is the deeper passion that I want to be exploring. Mm -hmm. Always been something that's fascinated me since I was little. And, and it was just like, ooh, this taboo thing called sex. I don't quite know what it is, but it's something I'm curious about. And boys, and ooh, and the kissing, and let me practice. And it's always been something that's held delight for me and curiosity. And, and yeah, and so I, I was going through the process of learning and growing in that realm and preparation, and then stepping out with baby steps into this new career mm -hmm. and offering my medicine to the world as a coach in this realm. And then boom, here comes this diagnosis that kind of grounded me in a way from being this soaring hawk, like ready with wings spread wide to this little slug on the forest floor mm -hmm. and just slowly moving from leaf to leaf and like taking one next step. What's the next right step? And so it's an interesting thing looking at this from the perspective of speed because when you get diagnosed with cancer or an illness like this, all the doctors sweep in with this real sense of urgency and we've got nice. to take it out now. We've got to do it now. It's, it's challenging to maintain your core and your sense of self in that context because also you're grieving. Like mm -hmm. I was grieving so deeply this sense of what the fuck? I did not expect this at all. And what does this mean for me? And and what am I going to do about this? And mm. is this the beginning of the end? And the answer is yes, this is the beginning of the end. Cancer might not be your end, but we are always in this constant state yeah. of beginning of the end. And, and so I think that when I look back into that particular chapter, I'm proud of the ways that I was able to reach out for support and get connection to express emotionally what was going on. And I also wish that I had given myself permission to slow down a little bit more. There was such a sense of panic and fear from, I learned that I had cancer on May 27th and I was in surgery to get my colon work done and my liver work done on June 10th. Wow. And that's not a long period of time mm -hmm. to metabolize the information <laughs> and process it and really feel some cancers are really aggressive and that's appropriate to just like spring sure. into action and boom, colon cancer takes a long time to develop. It took years for it to 
be formed in my body. And so I look back and I'm like, girl, you could have waited a little bit. You could have done some more sessions. <laughs> it's fine. Relax. There's a lot for you to be with right now. So that's a good opener. It is. And not some of what you're talking about just gets me rattled in about the medical world in general. And when I'm working in the just specific arena with moms and or women who are trying to get pregnant or the that whole sphere that surrounds new and early or potential motherhood of children. It's a similar thing that you're talking about where it's like there's this fear-based aspect to our Western cultural medical world. Yeah. We can call it the medical industrial complex. Yes, exactly. Techno-medical. There's mm -hmm. a lot of intensive medical. There's... <laughs> There are these words for it, but I'm hearing from you, and I've heard this from others who've gone through or are in the cancer realm of a similar experience, right? Where it's, this is our field, we're the experts, we know, and there's just a huge amount of like fear-based way of being, thinking approach to it that really goes against or butts up against, I think, for, I'm going to call it a more feminine or women's perspective of, but what about my intuition? What about mm -hmm. me being mm -hmm. with my body and sensing and feeling? Yeah. And how do I take that into account along with this? And yeah. what if those, these thoughts I have about it go against what you're, you, the expert, the like pinnacle of mm -hmm. knowledge is very different from my inner wisdom. And yeah, I think that I'm connecting it because I, so much of my listenership or moms and or in that arena that I want to make that connection to it also, but not take away from the specific of what you're saying going through this in cancer specific, but you having that realization just really triggered it from it's wait a sec, did I now looking back, I probably had a little at least a little more time. But yeah. Yeah. And maybe nothing would have been different. It doesn't mean that it's that different of an outcome or anything, but allowing that sense and being okay with giving yourself that kind of time and space in your choices. Yeah. yeah. I just wanted to, I wanted to underline that. Absolutely. And and I think our ability to trust our own intuition and give ourselves the space to feel it is a really big deal. I can remember reaching out to reaching out to somebody a coach mid chemo journey because I could feel my own intuition saying, "Faith, you don't need 12 rounds of chemo." 12 is a lot. You're fine. Like they took out the cancer. The margins were clear. 12 is overkill. And I was like, okay, body, what, what isn't overkill? What's the right number? And I think I was six rounds in at that point. And my body said very clearly nine, nine is what you need. Do nine. And I was like, really? 10? And they're like, nope. Eight? Nope. Nine. <laughs> okay. I literally you know, got goosebumps then, all over my body when you said that. Uh, and I know you're just relaying information, but I just feel really moved and touched with you tuning in that way. I don't think I've, I know so much about you, but not everything, you know, about this journey. Yeah, it's really yeah. beautiful to hear. Yeah. Thank you. And the oncologist that I worked with was phenomenal. And the first oncologist I had was not phenomenal. So that's another little nugget for anybody listening. When you're working with somebody who's supporting you in your life, if you don't feel that intuitive click with them, whether it be a therapist, a coach, a doctor, a friend, another mom, 
let it go. Look for someone else because there will be someone else. And I had a terrible oncologist that just got handed to me. Like, this is the one who's in your network, who's available for the colon stuff. And he was awful. And I asked around other people who had this same, this same cancer, this woman three years before me had this exact same cancer and lived half an hour away from me that I didn't even know that a friend connected me to shared her experience with this other oncologist. And it was night and day to be able to work with somebody that actually treated me like a human being. And we would laugh together and I felt safe to cry in front of him. And, and I brought this, I was like, look, I don't, I know you want me to do 12 and that's the standard protocol. I don't think I need that. What do we need to do in order to just do nine and let that be enough? Can we, and it was a relationship. It wasn't this top down, you are the Oracle and I will follow everything you have to say. It felt so good to, to be connected to that inner voice and collaborate and interface with this system that could potentially be this very top down experience and create it in a different way. I think I'm one underlying. Yes. You don't, if you follow those gut instincts, you don't, you should be, this is your life. Right? This is, yeah. There is fear to be had. And it's not like when I said practitioners can be overly fear-based, we do need a healthy sense of fear and not be blase about it. But part of taking responsibility is trusting yourself and feeling that level of satisfaction in relationship that I don't care how many degrees or this one came from there and it's a better school or on paper, they look like this. If you're Mm -hmm. not connecting like you're talking about and they're going to be sharing and with you in this very personal and important journey, it's like a little mini marriage for a period of time, right? This is someone that's going to be very close to you and you're going to be making big decisions with. Yeah. So I, I think in the realm of rewriting the mother code, that's a big myth, right? That we confront as others know better, others that have been trained in an area know better than us. And we should just follow protocols or when this like godlike institution that we're supposed to revere. And having a baby isn't necessarily a life-threatening, it can be, and that's what the fear that's put there, but it's not the same. But there's enough similarities there, I think, to mm-hmm. really make that point. And I think you did a lot at that time, because I've known you through all of this, to start thinking in that way. And when other choices you've made in your life, it isn't just like you just realized in this moment, oh, I should think about the relationship or I should follow my gut or my body. You've been practicing mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. in other areas of your life to have have that sense and peace of mind or maybe mm, whatever the yeah. right phrase is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, yourself. it's interesting that you teared up when I shared about the nine rounds of chemo, because I hadn't looked at that number necessarily as significant until you underlined it. And I realized that from when I was diagnosed until the end of my last chemo treatment, which was in early February of this year, it was a nine month process. Wow. It was the duration of gestating another human. Mm -hmm. And so I gave birth to this healing journey, Mm -hmm. healing body over the course of nine months. And one of the beautiful gifts of this journey was really reaching out to my community to ask for support, to be connected, to not go through this alone. And the night before, wow, actually it was early June, I, I wrote an email to everybody sharing like, 
this is what's going on. This is really intense. And I'm asking for your prayers. And I was just really specific about including friends, family, anybody that I wanted in this vortex of healing that I was undergoing, I invited in. And then I wrote those emails maybe once a week or twice a month, depending on what was going on, keeping people updated. And it was a really beautiful, I'm so glad that I chose to do that because everybody was invited in and able to support me in ways that were tangible and intangible. And a former professor and Reiki master of mine from my university days was included in that list. And we got to go visit them recently for spring break. And these are elders, spiritual elders in our community. And so we went, John, my husband, Alessandra, our daughter and I, and one of the reflections that she had upon seeing and interacting with Alessandra and engaging with her really struck me. She said, your daughter is really bright and open. And the fact that her energy is that clear right now is a real testament to the work that you guys have done as a family and faith, the work that you've done to stay in good shape this whole time. Because on the heels of such a cataclysmic event that doesn't just affect one person, it affects the family, it affects the community. For her to be in such good shape and open and just have that childlike wonder accessible and at the ready is a reflection and a celebration in and of Mm. itself. Here, here. First of all, I'm going to say congratulations because (laughs) that is something to be super proud of and a reflection that I believe is true also. And, you know, you mentioned a couple of things that I want to underline as how I think that might have come to be, and then you can add to it or correct me (laughs) if I'm wrong. But you mentioned the emails, for example. First of all, going back to like you following your gut for who you needed in your care, and then from there, building your community and who do you want, who's really going to be there with me and who do I want? There's no scarcity in the amount of people that want to care for me. But then broadening that net with your emails, because I have read these emails and one, you're an amazing writer. So, which I knew before, but like really came to light in such a new way for me because they were, yes, they gave the data of what was happening on an update, so to speak, but that doesn't even begin to touch what you were able to share yourself and your journey in such a way that you couldn't not be drawn in or you couldn't not feel a part of it. And I feel like that was, you were writing those for you and they, and then this was for me. Oh, and here, by the way, I'll share it with you all. It felt Mm -hmm. more, I I need, I want to chronicle this time and really name it and be in the moment with what's happening with me. And I'm going to be vulnerable and transparent and share it and share it. And they've, they were always a gift. And I will be perfectly in my busy schedule or whatever. Like I could maybe see like an email like that. Oh, I'll get back. I'll read. I want to read it. But I always read your emails immediately (laughs) (laughs) because they did. So those are all aspects of, to me, mothering yourself, right? So in my rewrite the mother code language around the most important person you need to mother is yourself, right? If you were, you knew that taking care of yourself was the best thing. I feel like whether you are articulated that or said it specifically, you were acting Mm -hmm. in a way that 
yeah, if I really fully take care of myself, take responsibility for myself and my physical state, my emotional state, and I get support, then I'm not putting that on my child. I'm not thinking, yeah. oh, I got to take care of them first and what's going on with them and leave myself out of the picture because you're so worried mm -hmm. about them was the best thing that you, mm -hmm. and not like you didn't have concerns or specific things that you addressed with her around this, but those weren't the most important thing, right? Yeah. And so I want to underline the power of what you're talking about and not also act, make it seem simple and easy either, because you've done a lot of personal deep work to, to get to that, mm -hmm. to be able to do that. So how was I fairly spot on or not spot on, but did that make sense? And yeah. feel free to connect me, correct me or add to how you mothered yourself and which led to her feeling secure mm -hmm. and able to live her little girl life and also not have to take care of mommy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm scanning back from this lens. It's true. It felt like things were pretty smooth. Things definitely had to change. My husband had to travel less and that was okay. It was wonderful that his job could flex in such a way that him working from home was manageable. And so we would create systems in our house to to just acknowledge the ebbs and flows that were anticipated mm -hmm. with life on keto and just know, knowing that like after infusion days, there would be lows and mama needs to rest a lot. And I think that's true kind of zooming out a little bit more talking to the women listening, we have ebbs and flows every month. We need to fallow and have our winter every month energetically for us to allow our bodies to rest. And, yeah, and that would be our cycle of bleeding and to really take the time to be transparent about that with, if we live with someone, if we have a partner, or kids but to be able to say, wow, okay, so whenever mama's bleeding or like right before, <laughs> this is a time for me and this is what I need. And to have it just be this like non-issue where everybody knows, oh, okay, like Papa, Papa's going to cook a little bit more or we're going to do a little bit more takeout or mama's going to take a nap while you watch your show and come get me when you're done. And just creating systems of spaciousness for us to have the nourishment that we need through this. And for me, another important aspect that we touched upon at the beginning was really allowing myself to take the tools that I had learned in my program, becoming a somatic sex coach and weaving pleasure practices into this healing journey and filling my cup, not only with connection with friends, with good food, with rest, but also proactively filling my cup with pleasure and giving myself the permission in this slower space. That was one of the other gifts of cancer is slowing down. You cannot help but slow down. It's a smack in the face and it requires a slowdown. And so the question is, what are we going to do inside of that slower space and being able to, I mean, it really, permission is the word that comes to my mind in our busy sort of go get them life of yeah. being the octopus that we are and managing all these different aspects of life that we do. It can sometimes be challenging to choose one of those aspects being my own pleasure and mm -hmm. my own fulfillment and satisfaction. And as I was exploring the roots of 
meaning making of why did I get this cancer? Why did this cancer choose me? Why colon cancer? That was one of the things that I found was this sense of living my life in shame, in the shadows, in dissatisfaction in the realm of sexuality, not allowing myself to fully receive that which I wanted or even ask for it. And then when I did ask for it in a way that was sudden and (laughs) (laughs) unexpected with my husband being shut down and just, no, I'm not interested in that. And I'm not okay with you doing that. I think that was part of the genesis of why my body chose to create this. And intuitively, it made sense for me to go into the direction of sexuality and do that deeper work of healing these aspects of who I am and bringing the fullness of my sexual being to to the surface to, first of all, love myself, not expecting my husband to love or accept her. That came later. But first, being able to love and accept this part of me, it's not just a part of me, but like this multifaceted part of me. And then from that place of love and acceptance, loving my desires, accepting that I have a big appetite and it's different from my husband's and that's okay. And then being able to bring it to him and be like, yeah, this is what I like and this is what I want. Let's talk about it. <laughs> let's let's try some things. Let's figure out what we can do and how we can come together in this realm in a way that works for both of us has been a really integral part of this healing journey as well. Yeah, here. And I love that you're bringing up the, because you mentioned, of course, some important ways that contribute to and aren't even all necessarily that easy to self-mother and to mother ourselves and give ourselves. But prioritizing our pleasure is definitely in the not okay myth. That's nice, and but it's also fine to settle or don't. Right. There's all these other great things. So if I don't have that, it's okay. Just those are some of the codes that we have. And I think for in the mother code, particularly, especially around post giving birth and and that really tender time are we're very mixed up in that arena. So I think what you're speaking to, I really want the moms to hear and listen to because it's right on for there too. That's that's mm-hmm. the opportunity. And you took advantage of this opportunity that was there, really looked deeply yeah. at what led to this and what was going on in my life. What was I encountering that was an aspect of how this maybe grew in me or contributed to it. And then, okay, not just, yeah, I'm going to be mad about it. I'm going to have those feelings and feel those fully. That's of course. And then, okay, but I'm not going to stop there and wallow in that. Like what, how can I learn from it? What's the transformational opportunity for me, which will then be for us and then for the family. Mm -hmm. And that's what I feel like you're describing so beautifully is this Mm -hmm. is going back to, yeah, what do I need? And And that those needs may be different. They might not, I don't have to be immediately shut down just because when I bring to the table what I want, pleasure, sexual pleasure, or anything in that regard or remotely related, and it's not met immediately with, oh, great, I've been waiting. Thank you for (laughs) going there. This is what I've been waiting for. And it's not met that way that it's like that you were wrong or that, okay, I guess I'll just settle or whatever. So we're going to keep, there's 
so many more. And that's where we can limit ourselves or the definition of how we think it's supposed to go. And instead, there's so many possibilities and it's uncomfortable sometimes to explore them or they stretch us or they're, they really cause us to have to be a very uncomfortable. <laughs> so we, yeah, I think I'm you could speak to that. <laughs> Hi, I'm so excited to share with you my 2024 Spring Equinox Self-Mothering Retreat that's happening this March 2024, and I would love for you not only to consider it, but to attend. But in considering it, hey, just knowing that you would be leaving cold weather if that's the space that you're in and coming down to just magnificently beautiful, warm, nourishing place of Zihuatanejo, Mexico. Zihuatanejo, meaning land of the goddess women, and coming to really take time for yourself, okay? And that I am learning more and more isn't just a nice thing to do or something extravagant or something selfish. It's essential. And I really want you to take it seriously to consider, you know, just think about what would it take for me to go? It's a five and a half day retreat getting from where you are, getting there, landing there, and then being in a space that is all about you. It's all about nourishing you. It's all about tuning into you, using everything around us, the nature, the food, the beautiful people, the rituals, ceremonies. I bring it, you know, we really bring it. And we go deeper and deeper as the days go on and we release, we let go, we bring in what is nourishing, what is empowering, what is that space of just really divine feminine energy. And we do it in the community of women. It's not for everyone. I will be honest, you know, if the idea of leaving and not making it work or it's just too hard, not for you. If the idea of, you know, spending that amount of time inwardly focused and going to that level of self-awareness doesn't sound like something you're willing to do or put the time and energy into, then it's not for you. And it's good to know that, right? So this is for people who are serious about what it means to mother themselves, what it means to take time for ourselves and that gift and what that gift can bring to us. It was originally right after my fall retreat, it filled right up. But now some people, it turns out, are not able to come. So I do have a handful of openings. And if you're listening to this and you're willing to take that step, please reach out to me. We can do a discovery call or you can put a deposit down. I would love that. And you can do that by going to my website, www.drgertrudelyons.com go to events and there you go. It'll all be there. There's a beautiful page there for you to explore. I look forward to hearing from you and then seeing you on my spring retreat. Absolutely. As I'm hearing you talk, what I'm getting from this in the context of rewriting the mother code is having a baby really is a huge initiation. And getting cancer is a huge initiation. Yeah. And these periods of our time, when we go through this huge transition from one state to another state of being, they shake everything up mm-hmm. and the structures dissolve. And we were in this period you know, of being inside of the chrysalis of goo. And then the process of becoming a butterfly, it's messy. 
but it's also an invitation for us to really question what is it do I, that I want and how yeah. do I want it? And that was the time right when I was finishing breastfeeding that my libido came back. And, and I was like, Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What can we do with this? Ooh, let's do all the things. And my husband was like, let's not. And no. And it's a potent, it's a potent time. It doesn't feel great. Like you said, it's uncomfortable, but that doesn't mean that it's not filled with potential and with that magic of the unknown and of creation. Or that what you wanted was wrong just because yeah. it's not what you know your partner immediately wants or they say no at the onset, you know, that yeah, you know, I think women can be wired like, oh, yeah, I'm too much, yeah. or depending on what your yeah. Yeah. family wiring is, either yeah. oh, okay, you're right. Yeah. What was I thinking? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's one of the pieces that's really beautiful about this work, working with people in this realm, inviting the process of healing to begin with the individual. I had to accept these parts of myself with a big appetite. Yeah. The part of me that society would call slutty and shameful and ew. Like I had to come to terms with loving her and accepting her first. And that's a whole process. Each of us has a process of slowly unraveling the shame that we have inherited or the trauma that we've experienced in this life to be able to birth the self that feels the most authentic of who we actually are. Yeah. It's really so beautiful. I'm touched and moved. And I want to name, there was something else that you've been, that I've seen as part of your exploration and your growth as a woman, as a woman coming to know herself through these initiations. And I love that you're framing these big moments in our life that involve our physical body, right? And to such a degree. And I think for a woman, those, those are our most initiatic experiences. We're not even, we could mention a woman first getting her period, menopause, like these bigger ones, having a child if you choose to, but an illness and embracing something that has arrived in your body much you know, in a very different way can be viewed. It's really helping me see that through that lens and that frame. And there are a lot of ways that you and your husband have learned and grown through that the having a child initiation about your relationship. And I just want to touch on that because I coach a lot of couples and women, but I feel like the two of you really embraced the notion of oh, she's there as our teacher. She's there not for us to turn our focus away from ourselves and our couple and just focus on that. And I want to say this and give this example because I think you two having done that helped you stay connected as a family and operate the way you did through the cancer here, which was, oh, like things <clears throat> just, if you don't mind, I'm going to bring up like a instance that I don't think is too personal, but sure. You had Alessandra in a session when she was a baby and she, I, I can't remember how old she was. She started, she was asleep, but then she woke up. And so she woke up and the two of you, like all, both of your attention went like straight to her, you know, what are we doing? And oh, and how you were with her. It was lovely. It was not a problem. But then I said, why don't we like in the moment here, use that as a way for the two of you to connect if she's your mirror and let's practice this. 
And I said, how about now you guys just take a couple minutes and, and be with each other how you just were with Alessandra. And I remember bringing tears to my eyes because this, you just, the two of you just jumped right in and did that. And it was vulnerable. That sounds like an easy thing to know. Mm. Oh, let's be that tender with each other or that see each other mm. and play and be little and bring that into our space and into the relationship it was so beautiful. I know I just out of the blue, I didn't warn you ahead of time. Mm -hmm. I was going <laughs> to bring this up. Um, any thoughts or remembrances yeah. you have of that? And then we can. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful reflection and memory that you hold for our family that I don't even remember. So I appreciate you <laughs> saying it, but I can visualize it. I can visualize being in your basement when she was probably in the car seat when <laughs> that kind of thing, like, I could visualize it, but it wasn't like a, a visceral memory of mine that mm -hmm. I held. And it, it, she's five now for context, mm -hmm. five and a half, <laughs> which makes a difference. And the flavor of mirror that she has now is a five and a half year old mirror. And so it's much more verbal. It's much mm -hmm. more animated and it's, but yet it's still easy, Gertrude. And I'm sure everybody can relate to this mm -hmm. still easy when she's in the room or around to focus all the attention on her. Mm -hmm. Kids are great at that. They just expect you're just going to focus on me, whether it's positive or negative attention, you will focus on me. <laughs> and, and it can still be a challenge for John and I to consciously give each other that attention and affection that she so easily garners. And uh, he was just on a long business trip and we were out to dinner as a family the first night that he got back. And at dinner, she was just being her lovely sprightly self and John somehow like lavished affection on her verbally said something like, Alessandra, I have really missed you. I love you so much. I'm so glad you're my daughter. And that feels like an appropriate thing to say sometimes to her. Yeah, when absolutely. you feel it, it's like we call them love surges in the yes. family. Sometimes the that. love surges are verbal. Sometimes the love <laughs> surges are physical and they're like squeezy hugs. And, and I was sitting at the table feeling my own desire to hear the same thing back and wondering if he was going to say it and shine some of that light my way. And he never did. And so later that evening when we were on the playground, I brought it up. I was like, you know, it hurt my feelings that you didn't also share some affirmation and affection to me like you did with Alessandra at the dinner table. And he was like, oh, okay, thank you for saying that. And yet he still didn't. He still didn't take a moment to be like, Faith, oh, I'm so glad you're my wife. Oh, I missed you so much. I love you so much. Like he still did. And so then later again that night, I was like, hey, John, <laughs> like you still haven't. And it, like, I want to have the kind of relationship that that feels like we get, we're filling each other's cups in this way. And I really am hungry for you to fill my cup with some affirmation right now. And that's one of the things that I think, one of the ways that we've grown as a couple and with your support over the years is to orient to what we want versus yeah. what's dissatisfied. Acknowledging whatever we're dissatisfied with is a start, but it's not the end point. It's that little thorn that, we pay attention to that then can lead to roses and to orienting to the vision of and asking for directly for what we want and not just expecting our partners to read our minds and being yeah. tenacious to get it yeah. in rapport and relationship with them. Oh, that's such a great example. Hey, thank you for, and it's vulnerable to share that, but you did show the trajectory. It's, I both love that he's saying that to our daughter and it's, I can 
be present with that and acknowledge I want it too. And oh, yeah. I'm a little hurt by that. And then express the hurt and have them say, I hear you. And then realize, oh, wait, I still didn't get it. Oh, but I I guess I didn't really ask directly for it. I just said I was hurt and yeah. wasn't as clear. And yeah. then, because I think we can easily feel like they didn't pick it up or read my mind and then we'll build a case about it and God, what a jerk or whatever. It's, oh, where was my responsibility? Like, let me go at this again and be very mm-hmm. direct at what I want mm-hmm. with this. <laughs> and like you said, the two of you, I have worked on this. And if for some reason he didn't want to, in that moment gives you, it's an opportunity to say why or have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Oh, it doesn't, but you're going to get satisfaction either way because you've gone for it for yourself mm-hmm. and yeah, that there's nothing wrong with one that, and the hold that like, yeah, I'm giving a lot of that to myself, but sometimes I really need and want it from you. And, mm-hmm. and I may need to ask for it directly myself. It's not coming. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting mm-hmm. enough of it. That's a really beautiful example. And I, I we're nearing, although oh, this is so hard because there's so many things to talk about, but I'm super grateful for the points that we've hit and for you. And it's in sharing your story and the beauty of it. And we're the cancer that's been so current and present has built upon these years of work and how you've navigated motherhood and relationship with your husband to have something like cancer, like horrible. And it Mm -hmm. is in so many ways, Mm -hmm. be so transformational to be Mm -hmm. initiated in a way Mm -hmm. that, you know, yes, of course we undoubtedly want and are holding and you will continue to have a positive outcome from that sense. It's been such a a win. I don't know. I can't think of the right word, but I'm going to call it a win. Um, I mean, it's a strange thing to say, but I really do hold this experience of cancer as a blessing. It's been a gift. And I did not expect to be able to say that at the beginning of the journey. And I imagine you've seen the documentary Heal by Kelly Noonan Gores. I have not. Oh my goodness. Whoa, it's great. It's an excellent documentary on the power that we have to heal ourselves. And I was listening to her talk recently, and there was a quote that she said that really struck me. And she said that in our society, we're really conditioned to believe that cancer is a death sentence. Mm -hmm. And that's how I felt at the beginning. Oh my God, I'm going to die. And yeah, I am. I just don't know if it's going to be from cancer. And Mm -hmm. her up-leveling of that conditioning, her rewriting of that is yeah, cancer is a death sentence. Someone has to die. And the person that has to die is your old self. And that's what happened. This this self that feels like she has to go through the world alone and can't ask for support and get what she needs. Or this or and this old self that felt ashamed of who she was and what she wanted and had to play small and just be satisfied with the little corner of corner of life that she was able to create. No, she's gone. She's, she is dead. And, and this new me is here thanks to the cancer, not in spite of it, but because of it. And so I think that in this conversation around initiations, this is the possibility that we have with all of these initiations, with mothering, with marriages, with illness, initiations invite us into this possibility of being this abundant, full essence of who we are in this life. It's such a gift. Yeah. You've been a huge gift and you're a gift to continue to be a gift in my life, Faith. Mm. And I'm, I know this episode is a gift to 
anyone and everyone who's listening to it. So how can people find you and learn more about you and what you're doing? And yes, we've talked a lot personally. We didn't talk a lot about how you're building your coaching practice, but that's another initiation, but, and one thing you're mothering, but people can learn about that and you and, and the beautiful things you're doing there. So how do we find you? Yeah. Yeah. So I invite anyone who's listening, if they are curious about somatic sex coaching, what that might look like to head over to my website, it's faithlaux.com. It'll be probably in the show notes. And I also invite them to be closer to me on Instagram. That's where I'm posting some really rich, vulnerable content around mm-hmm. what I'm going through and and how I'm metabolizing all of this. I think it's a beautiful way to stay connected and they can always reach out in an email and schedule a discovery call to see if we would be a good fit to work together. So yeah, happy to share. Yay. Thank you. Oh. So last question before we end is, what does rewriting the mother code mean to you? To me, rewriting the mother code in this moment means nourishment, taking the time to fuel my own tank with enough sleep, with enough social engagement as an extrovert, making sure that I have abundant contact with people that I love that inspire me. Rewriting the mother code is giving myself permission to play, to be creative, to be sexual, to feel pleasure, and to really live my life as a fully satisfied and nourished woman. I love that. It's always such a gift to hear, and your expression is so beautiful. Faith, thank you so much. And yes, all the things that you said and how to reach you will be in the show notes. And uh, I know... You'll be hearing from some people for sure. But thank you again. And we'll thank talk you, soon. Gertrude. You're such a blessing. Thank you for all that you do in the world, shining mm-hmm. that love right back at you. Thank you so much for choosing yourself and taking the time to listen to this podcast. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to Mother. Wait, no, subscribe to Mother Her. It helps other people who need this message, aka all women, well, actually everybody, men included, find it. I'm honored to have you on this journey in mothering yourself. Remember, change is uncomfortable, but it's beautiful and it starts with us. And if you can't wait until next week's episode, follow me on Instagram and LinkedIn at Dr. Gertrude Lyons or at my website, drgertrudelyons.com. I'll see you next time.